Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of A New Kind of Celebrity. I'm your host Venal and I'm excited to bring you another inspiring and insightful conversation this week. At A New Kind of Celebrity, we define the word celebrity differently. We define it as someone worth celebrating. Our guests are people who are doing incredible work to make this world a better place. Join us as we celebrate these individuals and learn from their experiences, leadership and wisdom. Our guest today is Anoop Parikh. Anoop is the founder of The Next Page, a community center in Govandi run by him and many of his ex-students. I've known Anoop for many years as we worked together at Teach for India more than 10 years ago. Anoop was working as an academic counselor in a university in Ohio when he decided to apply for the Teach for India fellowship. He taught grades 2 and 3 for 2 years during the fellowship in a low-fee private school in Govandi, Shri Geeta Vidyalaya. After the fellowship, he explored coaching other teachers, but his heart lay in teaching, and he wanted to go back and support his students. He continued as a school teacher in the low-fee private school for 8 years until his students passed their board exams. a very unconventional choice given all the options available to him he now runs the community center with many of the same students that he taught anup very very excited to be speaking to you thank you so much for joining me i'd love if you can maybe just start off talking more about your journey that led you to starting the community center the next page so if you can just tell us what was the different incidents etc that led to that right first thank you so much for inviting me it's, you know it's just really great to be here to share the story and you know you're just young and you're starting off right now so you're still learning a lot with the beginning of the journey and I'm, I'm never sure where the journey begins especially you know with like any kind of work in the social sector any kind of entrepreneurship i think there's a lot of seeds that are planted along the way yeah with the next page since we focus a lot on you know just books and reading uh, sports and art i think some of the things are were planted for me you know very early on So just you know, in my childhood, I grew up in a home where the where books were very important. Hmm. Uh, we were encouraged to read a lot. I had you know a sister who handed down books to me frequently. I remember when my granddad used to go on business trips, he would bring us back toys. He would bring us back a book each. So books were a very very big part of my childhood. At the same time, you know, sports were important. I was never a great sports player, but I really loved sports, which was encouraged by you know my teachers and my parents as well. So I think. For me as a kid, that was very important. At the same time, I always had that you know the added pressure of academic success, which uh, you know in most homes in India, like academic success is the true marker of you know what right. this boy or girl is doing in life. Right. I always found myself you know enjoying the non-academic parts of school, hmm. even though I was fairly decent at studies. So one just you know. For me personally, this is that joy in you know books or the library or uh, in sports as a kid was a big part of it. In terms of academics, I think there were a couple of things that really impacted me. Was I had a teacher who, despite like him being a science and math teacher, our science and math classes were also included a lot of you know talk about poetry, about music, about cinema. So this was towards the end of you know my twelfth, and I realized that while The science subjects were important for me at that point. Like just getting that broader access to stuff made it so much more worthwhile. And luckily, I got a chance to explore that at a liberal arts college when I went for my undergrad studies in the in the US. I mean that that was an amazing experience. 
and I knew a lot of my friends had not had the same kind of experience back in India. Just you know, like studying macroeconomic theory for an hour, followed up by like post-colonial literature for the next hour. Very rarely do we find that kind of you know academic environment in our country. So for me, like just as a kid and as a student, those things really shaped my point of view about what education should be. Hmm. I think then, as I stepped into you know the teaching fellowship, was a huge marker in my life. Where uh, when I stepped into the classroom, I just really enjoyed myself there, and I realized that you know as I was teaching over the years, the kids who were reading books were way more confident. They understood the world. They understood themselves and expressed themselves so much better. Hmm. Some of the kids who had found a passion in sports were, you know, just really, really getting on track with other things in their life as well. Hmm. So the values of the sports ground were being was spilling over into the real life. And again, some kids for them, art was the solution. Right? They were expressing themselves there. They were exploring their world over there. So I realized that the impact that these things that I had on me as a kid, it was the same for the kids I was teaching about. Right. At the same time, what happened was as the years went by, as kids got closer to the ninth exams and tenth board exams, those things started slipping away. Hmm. So it became more like, what are your academic goals? What are your results? Like, you know, what are your marks? We, as a class, we stopped exploring education. Instead, just started chasing the marks. Right. Which I think is just the the way the ecosystem works. Right. We don't value education or learning for the sake of it. It's just about what marks will get you in the end, and so by then it had been about um, eight years I've been teaching, and I realized that all the stuff that had come before about you know exploring the world and expressing yourself, and then ten stand just comes and like crushes all that, and it's about a piece of paper. So I think that realization after seeing these kids for so many years, I knew that I was not happy with the impact things were having in the classroom, and the like the school system is what it is, and there's got to be something supplementing it. Right. So that that was the idea, and I knew that my piece of the puzzle was, you know, figuring out how I can contribute in that way. Got it. Thank you for sharing that. And before I go into any follow up questions about your journey, maybe if you can spend a little bit time just talking about what you do at the next page. So if you can elaborate on, you know, your community center and what actually happens there, that'd be great. Right. So the next page, again, the idea was born out of giving kids access or opportunities to books, to art and to sports. And uh, also one big element is that the kids take ownership of everything over there. So right now we are a team of eight people, of which uh, seven are semi college. So it's about a student-led thing where we have a library, which is about 2000 books in it. People can come and read over there. They can borrow books and it's completely free. On weekends, we have art activities run by one of my uh, ex-students who's in college right now. Again, completely free for the kids and anyone can sign up. And we have a football program, which at this point, we coach about 80 to 100 kids and then organize monthly tournaments for people in the community, which is, you know, as we grow bigger, it's, it's we're doing more and more as we can. Got it. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And Anoop, I know generally for people who don't know too much about the Teacher India Fellowship, when they find out that's looked at like an offbeat choice, right? That people are leaving sort of other jobs that could have pursued and joining the fellowship. And I think within that fellowship network, I feel the choices you've made after the fellowship are looked at as an offbeat choice, right? The, the choice to go back and teach within the school system as another school teacher and not as a, let's say, a NGO employee or 
uh, funded and supported by another like non-profit, but sort of being part of the system. And you spent eight years teaching in that school, your set of students. Could you maybe just talk through a little bit about why that choice and what was that experience like being part of the school system? Right. So just first, my choice about, you know, rejoining school was based on the idea that two years were not enough. Even though I think it's, it's a great, you know, a lot of classes do very well with that continuity with uh, Teach for India. I personally felt that there was enough instability in my kids' lives as it is without teachers being, you know, just coming in and coming going out. Right. So I wanted to just stick on for a little while. Another thing was, it was just, I just love teaching. So I wanted to continue. You know, so if I was in some particular school already, I wanted to go on with that. I think you can just really create relationships with the community, with the teachers, with the students. That just really helps go a long way. So I wasn't teaching just one class of kids. I taught across the school. And that helped me, you know, bridge a lot of things within the school itself. So I personally went in because I wanted A, to have impact for a longer term. I don't think it was enough for just two years. And just have, you know, a broader understanding of how the school system works as well. So I did work a lot with the school administration. So, you know, just figuring out, you know, what new things we could implement, working with the principal, seeing what the, you know, workings of a private school in Mumbai is. And underserviced, you know, low uh, infrastructure school in a community that's not very well off at all. So it just gave me a lot of insights into what the reality is of the education system. It wasn't easy, but I mean, I think just because I enjoyed my work so much, it didn't feel like a, you know, a sacrifice. A lot of people assume that, you know, it's a sacrifice to go and do something in the social sector. When in fact, people who do work there really love it. So they're actually just following their hearts and their dreams. And uh, I think that was the same case for me. Yeah. And just again, to build context on the school, the community. So you're teaching in Govandi, which in Mumbai is like one of the wards that has the lowest human development index. And uh, you mentioned the low fee school, which is a it's not your typical private school that people might imagine, but, you know, doesn't necessarily have like set playgrounds or even like the kind of classrooms or there's no lab, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So can you maybe speak more about what changes were you able to see during your time there by working with school administration? And maybe what are some changes that were yet to come? Right, just think, talking about Govandi itself, the reason there are private schools in communities which have uh, very few resources is because the government schools are just not able to cater to the large population size and to the aspirations of the kids and their parents. Right, So one huge misunderstanding is that you know in, in certain communities, there is no desire for an education. But there, there is really this huge desire that their parents really want their kids, the kids really want to succeed. And private schools fill that gap to an extent. But there are, you know, just a lot of uh, shortcomings within the entire system. Things that change over time, I think, just with interventions with, you know, Teach for India, with other NGOs working with the school, I think there was a better understanding of how an all-around education has to be in these communities and schools. So I did see, you know, over time that the principal started, you know, thinking of long-term planning, every teacher had to submit a unit plan, just getting back to the basics that in a lot of places are just the bare, you know, necessities. So just bringing that, you know, raising the, the floor was the first thing. Just getting those basics in place, extracurricular activities. You know, they have really come up in a lot of schools because of so many NGOs working with them. Whether it's to science, to arts, to sports, those started developing more and more. Right. Yeah. And 
a slightly different track but i think earlier before we started this conversation you were mentioning that you know this is probably your third zoom call which i mean during covid time that's really like surprising and i also know i don't know if this is still true but i know for a very long time that you didn't have a smartphone for like a long time i don't know if that's still true but they're very again i think conscious choices which are very very different from i guess maybe your entire peer network or the wider maybe broader community who studied in similar schools colleges etc so and i know it's not you don't look at it as a sacrifice but just maybe talking more about why those choices and what they've meant for you so it is to us to have a what my kids call a dumba phone <laughs> i still use the same phone i used a long ago one nice nokia other one i do have whatsapp but that's for work so i use it more as email rather than as a, you know just being on whatsapp all the time i personally just believe that we live in a hyper digital world and that's not useful for our kids yes it's great for business it's great for communicating you know my parents live a few thousand kilometers away it's great for staying in touch with them but if everyone is always on the digital devices very little stuff happens in the real world i see that particularly with young people with children and especially with those who just finished their 10th or 12th or in college given the the lack of other things to do the phone becomes the answer right so it is been a conscious choice to stay away from that a little bit especially you know with the library itself i know a lot of people have told me you know get wifi in the library so that we can study you know we can access computers it needs to be a book like a concrete place with books that kids can hold i think that is being lost slowly in our hyper digital world I, I mean, there are huge benefits to technology, of course, that can't be denied, but it has to be balanced in a certain way. So, you know, in that talk about you know digital education in India today, it can be a great step, but actually, it's just leaving a lot of people behind. And especially, you know, during the pandemic, there were so many children in Shivaji Nagar and Gowandi who just lost out on learning so much. I think just providing them with a space that does not rely on the digital hmm. is necessary. So. we made a very conscious choice we didn't do any read aloud online during the pandemic uh, we didn't you know send out you know ebooks we chose not to we could have but we wanted kids to step out and come and get the books even when the pandemic was on taking precautions you know we would have our books for quarantine for a day or two sanitization closing library for few hours cleaning it up every day but eventually kids needed to have books in their hands or kids you know need to be out on the football ground and you know interacting with each other even if they were a little social distance they needed that so again that again stemmed from my personal belief that relying too much on technology and too much on the digital world is not useful for us got it and so in the pandemic also the community center was running throughout so when the pandemic hit us we obviously closed down when the lockdown happened we did use the space for you know this ration distribution helping out anyone who needed for march april and may of 2020 from june onwards we were pretty much up and running in small bits and pieces we did our research you know about is it safe is it not what precautions to take and we were opening for limited hours but then we pretty much been on while following government regulations so we would limit you know the number of kids who came in so at any point only three kids in the entire place which is three floors So we were making sure there was no crowding. We weren't letting people sit and read at that point. They could come, pick up books, and read, so that you know they still had access to it. And I think a lot of kids were really, really, you know, happy about that. Just being able to come and see the video or a bhaiya there asking for a book, picking up a book they like, 
it was something that they were missing with schools closed, there with all activities closed at that point. Got it. That's really interesting. And also just for you personally, given that, like you mentioned, right, it's hyper digital, hyper connected, today's world, right? And FOMO, this whole fear of missing out, etc. is also a really big deal, especially with social media and Instagram and the works. So does that not impact you at all, this whole fear of missing out and not being as connected maybe to someone else as others are? I mean, I've learned that I need to be on Instagram, my social media. We have a social media handle for the library and for our football program. Kids like to see, you know, their photos up. Right. They like to see what's going on. I do need to use WhatsApp once in a while to network with people and connect and, you know, share stories. But personally, no. I have never found, you know, any uh, need to be on there or use that as a main, main way to communicate. I think this older way of doing things is much easier. I meet people I for that rather than you know, talking to them on online. So, no, I don't think so. I, I mean, I'm, I see my kids using their phones so much. And uh, unfortunately, I, I don't even meet each other. I've seen so many of my children who once they graduate or finish 10th or 12th, they just, they are connected to their friends online, but they never meet. And mm. uh, I see that they, they are not happy with that. They would like that. At the same time, the kids who are part of the football program with us, those guys, are, they, those guys, those girls, they've been friends forever thanks to this. And they still get to meet each other in fact, and there's a different kind of relationship built over there. So I think that physical presence, the physical meeting is still very, very important. And again, can't be shifted online. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing though, right? I I genuinely don't think I know anyone else who can uh, not only make these choices, but be so absolutely like convinced of that being the right way. I really, really respect that. So thank you for sharing that. Coming back to your community center next page. So how many students sort of show up? age group is it linked to the school in any way or uh, is it completely independent if you can just sort of help me understand who comes how often how many right so our center is open three hours in the morning and three hours in the evening that's the the library itself and along that we have other programs with the football the football and everything so at the library itself we get about 30 to 40 kids a day again this fluctuates a little bit depending on any festivals or weekends or school exams so it's it varies a bit the majority of the ones who come are from your 10 to 15 age group. Uh, we tend not to encourage very small kids because it's a little difficult to handle them. Older kids come less frequently because they come and they take a book, they keep that book for a couple of weeks or a month because they are right. reading literature or you know, non-fiction. Uh, the little kids come every day. So they are the ones who like you know drop in and they, are, they just like keep reading, reading, reading. We had about 11,000 visitors in the entire year last year. Oh, wow. And over over 10,000 books circulated. So we are we stay pretty busy. With football, we have at least 25 to 30 kids uh, training every single day, whether it's the senior boys, the junior boys, or the girls. So we have a big bunch coming in for that as well. Right. And the art, is that also an everyday thing? No. So art activities we do on weekends or special occasions. So like, you know, Children's Day, we had an art competition which kids really like. We had about 40 or so kids participate in that. On weekends, on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, we have 12 kids on each day that do some activity. Got it. The activities are designed by our, you know, our library staff, which includes two former students of mine. And they come up with, you know, either topical things or things they enjoy. Aisha is our art teacher and uh, she's doing a bachelor's in social work. And she eventually wants to do art therapy as a future career plan. Wow. So she's really, you know, learning what it means to interact with kids using art, 
how it helps them out. And she has a free run on that because I'm not an artist by a mile. <laughs> so I am just in charge of getting the materials and they let me know what they're doing. And it's great to see it. I, I sometimes get to participate, but mostly it's the kids. That's really awesome. And just coming to like broader impact and stories, it's it's generally my favorite part. And also since you've spent so much time teaching in the school, similar, same set of students, plus obviously many more as well. Like I think you've seen a real arc of their growth and journey from them being like kids. I believe you started in the second or third standard right up to probably, like you mentioned, some of them are still working with you in the community center. If you can maybe first talk about just your teaching experience and shifts that you've seen over time, any one or two stories, uh, if you can paint a little context also of the student background. And then we can talk about your community center as well. So one of the stories is, I mean, still ongoing, it's one of the kids who, in fourth of his standard, would regularly make his teacher cry. And, uh, you know, I was the guy who would sit with that kid and be like, talking to him, explaining things to him, getting him to not misbehave in class. He would spend more time in my classroom than the class he was actually supposed to be in. And then I realized he loved football. He really loved it. And as he became part of his football team and as the football league grew, there was a serious shift in his behavior just because he wanted so badly to be part of the football team. Hmm. And in the beginning, it was maybe, you know, it was just an incentive-driven thing. Now the guy is coaching for the Foscos club and he's coaching a group of about 30 kids. And so when, you know, I was on the ground uh, just the other day and the boys were leaving the little kids and they're like, bye, bye, yeah. And I instinctively turn and I thought they're talking to me. But they weren't. They were talking to Altaf, who used to make his teacher cry. And now he's, you know, a bhaiya for these little kids. He's teaching them value. He's teaching them how to be disciplined, how to respect each other. So that's that's a great story for me. And he loves it. I think it just gave him this, like, an identity of, you know, he's like, bhaiya, parents respect it. Hmm. And I'm like, See that, so they are learning what it means to be responsible for a group of kids. So that's, you know, just one of the kids I've worked with and I'm working with. A couple of others, you know, who like Aisha, for example, who's doing art. I think her idea about you know, getting involved in art therapy as a career, that stemmed from her work at the, the next stage. So she wanted to do social work and she loves art. And now it's sort of coming together for her to see how art can have an impact. So these are two of the people and two of the young people I'm working with still who have had an impact in, uh, in some ways. Yeah, and you mentioned that everyone you're working with in the next page, they're all from the same community, right? And they're yeah. all students that you've taught as well. Yeah, at some point of view, yeah. That's really, really amazing. Want to hear both of their stories and also just to know that. What influence have you seen that have on younger kids? So now my... Biggest impact story is, is that when I walk down the street now, these guys called hi baby, hi bhaiya, football club. The kids will ignore me sometimes, so they don't know who I am, but they'll recognize these guys who are now working there. And I think that's that's the change we need, right? So that these guys take ownership of the entire center of the program. So for me, that's been just a big thing. There was a day I was walking by the school Kitabas where I taught, and I was wearing my football coach jersey. And one kid looked at me and he's like, Achha, wahan hai na. <laughs> and that's one of the kids I have taught. And these guys now associate it with them rather than with me. And uh, that's it. That's the impact I want. And then, you know, they, I want slowly to move into the background. And let these guys run it. 
I think again they are happy doing it. I think it gets them excited. That's why this is sticking around with it after so many years. Yeah, that's really really amazing. And also, just maybe if you can talk a little bit more also about the girls. You did mention Aisha. Just in terms of a little bit of what are the other like girls and boys that you taught doing right now? Some who are working with you and the others who are not. And yeah, maybe a little bit about that. Sure. So our girls football team, you know, that was a big thing. We we had a really great football team early in in the early days of uh, my fellowship as well, and uh, we continue that and, and still do work with the girls. The pandemic has had a huge impact on participation of girls in football, especially. So. It's it's led to a lot of kids who are you know once they reach a certain age, their family will just not allow them to play football, and that's a constant struggle. For me, like another one of the students who works with me, Shweta, who's you know just a pillar in terms of she's the one around whom the kids rally, like they rally around her, and she gets the girls to come to practice, talks to them about you know like why it's important for them to be regular, still coaches them. If she's not there because you know she has something at college or something, the girls are like. Why is Didi not here? Why are only you here? Why are you teaching us? So you know they start looking up to her as a role model. There's another one of my uh, ex-students, Rupstar, who's been part of our program for a long time, and now you know she really wants to become a football coach, and she's been exploring options of getting certification and how she can use that as a career uh, choice. So it has had a big impact, and of course in the library itself, we have you know a lot of the lot of the siblings of the girls I taught. Coming in, hmm. and and you know for them again, it's just like uh, that. Huh? Didi told me that you did this story in school, so can we find that book now? So hmm. I think it's a continuity thing where you know this impact just carries on, right? As well, right? And have you seen a similar impact on the wider community, families, parents who have sort of maybe shifted how they look at either education, extracurriculars, or or anything? So now we've been open for a couple of years on the in the community. With minus the pandemic season, but now parents are automatically you know like oh you have a library that's amazing, and and one of my favorite things about the library is when a parent comes in and picks up books for his or her child. So mm-hmm. I will see and you know especially parents who have these are parents who are educated in their early twenties you know they have in mid twenties they have a kid who's four or five years old they'll come and they'll ask me you know what book should I read to my kid so that his or her English improves. Sometimes you know parents will sit there with their kids pick out books. That is changing, and and so parents are, especially the younger ones, are you know getting more involved in things like this. When we started in 2020, there was one library in Bhopal that was for older kids, and right now there are three plus one in the world for children as well. So I think overall the wider community is recognizing the need for places like this, given the you know the last two years that have gone by. Uh, so definitely a sea change in how parents see it and and what they want you know for the children. Got it. That's really amazing. And I think one question, sort of going back into the community and your work there. So for those who are familiar with Govindi, there's a very but have not necessarily let's say worked there or visited there. There's a very different impression, right? In terms of crime rate or just health hygiene, all of these like. things that sort of are built in the narrative the garbage dump etc what has been your experience of some of these elements of violence crime cleanliness etc and how they may be intersected with your work or not right uh, so 
I mean, the, the numbers for Gondi and the Amish was speak for themselves. It has a really low, you know, so all sorts of socioeconomic indicators are very, very low. Uh, one one thing that always like shocked me was the average life expectancy is 38 years, which is crazy. I mean, we're in 2022 and I mean, this is the last census, but that's crazy to know that in Mumbai, there is an area where the average life expectancy at last count is 38. For me at a personal level, I've spent 11 years there now. So I think I've become desensitized to some of the things that others can see. But yeah, I mean, violence is around the corner everywhere. You know, uh, drug abuse is everywhere. Just when we have a football program and I'm coaching, I have to be vigilant about, you know, anyone using substances away from there. And it's slowly changing, but there's a lot that has to happen. Even if, you know, if there's an unstructured, you know, people like kids are playing football or cricket, there's fights every single day. And I'm not talking about, you know, just verbal fights or just pushing and shoving. Sometimes they go to an extreme. And that's because that it's inbuilt over there. It's become a sort of a, a thing that needs to be broken. So coming to the health and hygiene, yeah, I mean, it's just the, the garbage dump. It's been there. It will be there for a long time. And it's just things are not changing on a bigger picture. I think small initiatives, again, small things can change. And it's amazing how many small organizations are working there. So at a micro level, there is a lot of change happening. I think slowly it will build up and, you know, have an impact. So yeah, there are challenges. Certainly there are challenges. And I think as we go along, just trying to tackle them one step at a time is the answer. So I think our football program has had a huge impact on the kids who do take part in it. So getting girls out of their homes, onto the ground, playing. On a normal, you know, normal day, you will not see girls playing a sport. Never in Shivajnagar. And that is just, it's very obvious. Hopefully, you know, getting them out football and soon Kabaddi, it will change. The boys who would have been, you know, into substance abuse or just fighting, they know that if they have football, they are staying away from that. Hmm. And there are, you know, these mentors, these young leaders who are helping them do this. So change will come. But again, it has to be sustained, has to be continuous, and has to go on for a while. Right. And so, from your experience, what you've seen as being the most valuable input to have young adults at this very impressionable age stay away from maybe some of these influences is to be engaged in a really meaningful way, whether it's your football, art, reading, college, etc. That's the one thing that can really help them stay away from it. Right. Absolutely. I think just having them, you know, engage in different things outside their academic classroom, hmm. classes and their own gives them something to do. Hmm. Right, and slowly they discover that you know they like something. Whether right. it's you know learning about history, whether it's about reading about something, whether it's about painting or drawing, they they find some passion which yeah. keeps them motivated, which keeps them on track. Yeah, they begin to build that identity and like self-image as well, which influences things. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. As you think of just your journey and and other people who want to sort of contribute to, you know, make change themselves. They want to like figure out how they can sort of help out. What are some learnings or advice that you have that you'd like to share? One, one of the biggest things I think, you know, impact has to begin sometimes at the smallest or the lowest level. We talk a lot about, you know, policy change, you know, the entire ecosystem has to change and you know, this is what we need to do for the system. But sometimes it's just the small things, getting books in kids' hands, getting footballs at their feet, you know, giving them space, giving them the opportunity to do those things. And, the thing is that everyone can contribute in some ways, right? There are so many smaller organizations working everywhere. It's just about, you know, stepping out and seeing what they're doing. 
uh, a dinner for two people can fund like 20 30 books for a library right it can fund two footballs that you know i know so many youngsters who are just eating football for free it can fund two footballs for someone that will last a long time so i really do believe that you know those of us who have grown up with you know certain privileges and certain things that we take for granted if we look out we can in very small and easy ways help someone else who's doing it right not everyone has to work in the social sector right that's certainly not possible but we can all be part of it in some way or the other and i do think that impact starts at the grassroots level and the smaller organizations are very very important in a place like india where there's so much diversity where there's so much need so just looking out for what something that you can support what are you passionate about maybe if you, you know you really think music is great then find an organization that teaches music help them out your passion for cricket or football find someone who's doing something at the grassroots level and also i i mean i i see a lot of my family or friends or just people i speak with who think that you know they can't contribute that much so you know what can i do every little bit helps just people sending me sending us books was amazing sometimes or you know mm. small contributions they go a long way so i feel like if, if people step out and you know find some cause that they're passionate about and give a little bit to it things will change very very quickly right thank you for that and anup what have been biggest challenges that you faced either community center specific or even earlier while teaching what would some of those be the biggest challenges have always been resources and i think just managing getting the things that we need to do the best we can sometimes you know there are great ideas that people have so me or you know my co teachers or like other people working in the community there are great ideas but then fulfilling them there's just so many obstacles that come in for example for our football program we have been and we still are struggling to find a you know great space or like a proper space where we can have that coaching now in a slum community like wandi like there is too much crowding to use the bmc parks effectively and just getting a decent ground itself is a huge challenge hmm. so basic infrastructure has always been a challenge i know you know there are there are people who have been trying to create a community center and they're like you know what where can we find that space which can work for us so some of the obstacles are infrastructural the other thing is certainly you know even if we can manage it where is the funding coming from that does become a challenge and the third and the i think one of the biggest thing is continuity i think just within the sector there's so much change that happens that good ideas they the seeds sprouts and then sort of withers away because it's difficult to sustain it for a long time that again i believe will change when the community is involved Hmm. If the community is involved, if young people there are involved, that's when continuity can come in. Not when somebody comes in and drops a, you know, right. like magic pill somewhere. Yeah, and I think what you're doing is just amazing in that sense, right? Because majority of the people working in the community center are from that community, have seen the benefit of either reading or arts or sports, and are just sort of. Uh, giving it forward, which then also makes that visible for younger kids who may sort of choose to do that when they grow up as well. And I think there are very few initiatives that I've seen that is that community-led. It tends to be people coming with resources from the outside, and more people like that running it. So I think in that sense, like it, it's just so built into your design, which is amazing. Just on the note of your challenges, resources, funding, etc., people do want to like support and contribute. to the next page where can they sort of like find you and sort of do that so we do have functional website that people can access just search for next page center govandi 
and you find us. We are on Instagram as Next Street Center and Fox Fossils. So you can find us there as well. Any kind of help, you know, people don't drop by. I think it's most uh, useful when people actually come visit and see the work that these kids are doing, what they're involved in. That makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, our website's not great because I've designed it. So, <laughs> I mean, it's not professional looking, but it's the, the work on the ground that, you know, sort of really helps people see what's going on. Got it. Thank you for that. I think those were most of my questions. Anup, is there anything on your mind as we've been speaking that popped up that you'd like to share before we wrap up? People who are trying to get into this, often it can be very, very difficult. And how do we get into the social sector? Hmm. How do we, you know, that idea of, you know, sacrificing something, some good job for this? Yeah. I think that's just initial hurdle. And once you take that jump, once you take that plunge, you'll realize that good things happen. So one of the best things that one of my teachers showed me was, if you do good work, other good people will find you. Hmm. So just that ecosystem does not have to be artificially constructed. If you are passionate about something, yeah, there will be difficulties, but keep at it. And you will soon discover that, you know, those connections happen and the network begins and what will happen. So just for anyone who's looking to get into something that they are will not be sustainable, take that plunge and, and you'll discover that somehow it works out. I love that, Anoop. Especially, I feel like the pandemic and this whole great resignation, I feel there are more and more people like searching for more meaning in their work and this might be a great thing for everyone to try out even if it's for a limited time and see if it works for them or not but I really love that thank you so much Anoop I have huge huge admiration and respect for all the work that you do and all your amazing ex-students who are now like leading all kinds of change by themselves so uh, thank you so much for joining and sharing all of this thank you so much it was a pleasure to be here thanks again thank you so much for listening to this episode If you liked this episode, do subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or LinkedIn. We'd love to hear your suggestions, reactions or even guest nominations. You can DM us on Instagram, our handle is at a new kind of celebrity or email us at a new kind of celebrity at gmail.com. We look forward to meeting you soon. Till then, good luck and take care.